the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help Guy and our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you the solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. And Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. This fall winter has been unbelievable. With dry days and cool nights, it's wonderful to find a time to work outside. This is real working weather. Outside, we have the opportunity to enjoy Mother Nature and see the seasons change with the bright foliage. We can also spot those tasks that have to be done before winter and add them to the list. And speaking about admiring the leaves as they change color, uh, we can get our exercise raking up those leaves. And that may be particularly true this week. Because the weather forecast calls for rain. Rain on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I don't know how heavy the rains will be, but a good rain will bring the leaves down like an avalanche. At that time, we'll be up to our knees and leaves in no time. After that, we won't have to worry about the list. The first thing on the list will be raking leaves, and that's as far as we'll get. And when we're tired, we can take a break and check on what's happening in the economy and how that's impacting our investments. This is a mixed week for equities, with Europe down and Asia and the United States indices mixed. Uh, underlying the economic developments was the increasing concerns about the uh, coronavirus and the possibility of uh, localized lockdowns, particularly in Europe. According to the Financial Times, Friday, the World Health Organization 
uh, said that the world reached a record 350,000 daily COVID-19 infections last week. A third of these were in Europe, where hospitals in some of the worst-hit countries, including the UK, France, and Netherlands, have seen their average number of daily cases surge. That's even more so in the uh, countries in middle Europe, like uh, Poland and uh, uh, Czechoslovakia and places like that. Their number of cases are really up. With cases spiking, uh, governments across the European Union have imposed restrictions on international travel on their neighbors, hoping to stave off uh, harsher impositions. Most countries restrict large gatherings and restrict uh, uh, bars and things of this nature. And uh, basically, Europe is wrestling with different ideas and how to uh, conduct localized uh, shutdowns. Uh, while in the U.S., the number of cases has been up. Uh, the U.S. reported fewer than 50,000 new coronavirus cases for the first time in five days. I think this was earlier in the week. Uh, when cases remained elevated in several states, particularly in the Midwest. In Wisconsin, the seven-day average of new coronavirus cases hit 2,500 as of uh, Sunday. And as cases nationally have risen, uh, so too has hospitalizations. Uh, the number of hospitalized uh, patients is up 13% on Sunday to 34,028 compared to 29,000. Uh, 900 and some one week earlier. That's according to the COVID tracking project. Uh, these data showed a sharp uptick, uptick in recent days in the Midwest, where more than 9,000 patients were hospitalized in, uh, in Sunday of last Sunday. And medical treatment, but medical treatment has been improving. You know, while most of the vulnerable population has been taking precautions. Uh, that helped to uh, keep the uh, uh, serious cases down. Uh, the number of deaths per day has also uh, plateaued in the United States. The seven-day average of coronavirus deaths across the U.S. has been hovering around 700 since the beginning of October, and I think it was seven, about 700 before that. So the number of cases is going up, but the number of deaths uh, seem to be plateaued. Well, you know, we all know that uh, it takes time before, um, you know, the, the course of the disease. So we'll see what happens there. But one thing we're seeing is that uh, it's weighing on uh, Europe in particular, and in the United States it's, it's holding us back too. Uh, but apart from the uh, continuous fight with the coronavirus, U.S. politics continued in the spotlight this week with the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee hearings on the confirmation of uh, Judge Amy uh, Coney uh, Barrett uh, for Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. The hearing started on Monday and ended Thursday, and the confirmation vote, I think, is scheduled for next week. In addition, on Thursday night, President Trump conducted a, a town hall meeting in Miami, while uh, former Vice President Joe Biden conducted a town hall meeting in Philadelphia. So the political scene is very, very active, and it'll be very active for another 17 days until we get to November 3rd. In addition to the coronavirus and politics, the U.S. economy continues to recover. Uh, this was the first week of the third quarter earnings season. J.P. Morgan and uh, Citigroup on Tuesday 
delivered better than expected quarterly results, but uh, the uh, leaders of both banks took the time out to uh, talk about the economy, and when the economy is not out of the woods yet, and it needs more help. Uh, the U.S. economic news this week uh, regarding consumer spending and unemployment claims show a picture of an economy that's recovering, while the industrial production data from the uh, Federal Reserve showed a drop in uh, uh, industrial production in September. But uh, the uh, Federal Reserve uh, banks in Philadelphia and also New York, they put out their own assessment of how things are going in in, uh, uh, the eastern seaboard and also in New York State with regard to manufacturing. And and, uh, uh, they show that uh, manufacturing has picked up in uh, October. So it may be a case where... Uh, there was a dip in September, but the that's the uh, the qualitative data indicates that that might have been rectified in uh, October so far. Uh, the big surprise this week was the U.S. retail spending climbed 1.9 percent in September, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal articles. Uh, retail sales increased in September for the fifth month in a row as consumers prepared for the. Uh, uh, further months of working and studying from home by spending strongly on vehicles, uh, sporting goods, and uh, home improvement stores. The value of the overall sales increase of 1.9% from the previous month after a six-tenths of a percent gain in August. So the coronavirus pandemic has promoted retailers to encourage an earlier start to the holiday season. So that may be one of the uh, reasons for the uplift in the uh, uh, the spending is that they're pushing the uh, the Christmas season farther forward. So uh, that's both to avoid crowds at the stores and to ease pressure on shipping and supply chains. Uh, Amazon.com incorporated Prime Day sales event this week propelled consumers to spend billions more online, kicking off an end-of-year shopping season that is expected to be dominated by e-commerce shopping. Categories related to the booming housing sector performed well in September, according to Friday's report, with sales at home improvement and furniture stores both increasing last month. Home buyers have been rushing to get more living spaces in recent months, as many Americans anticipate working from home, so there's a there's a we uh, reported uh, last week or a week ago that uh, the home building uh, residential construction industry is on fire with regard to uh, construction activity. They can't find uh, uh, workers, and they can't find uh, uh, the lumber and everything else. So, and home sales are, are booming too is the very fact that there isn't a great deal of uh, of uh, inventory in the, the home sales, existing home sales. Uh, getting back to the uh, the, uh, uh, the the buying and selling sales of uh, at motor vehicle dealerships, which make up probably twenty percent of the total retail sales, rose by three point six percent, which was great in September. That was partly related to customers uh, shunning uh, public transit because of the uh, high COVID-19 infection rate and also 
that plus the rising vehicle prices uh, pushed that uh, number up to 3.6% in September. The Labor Department reported Tuesday that while the Consumer Price Index uh, rose uh, two-tenths of a percent in September, the index for used cars and trucks jumped 6.7%. That's a one-month jump. So uh, apparently there's a great demand for cars, and uh, uh, some people are buying new cars and some people are buying used cars. I prefer my nude-me uh, type uh, uh, operation where I find one with two two years on it and 20,000 miles. Uh, so basically there's a big demand for used cars and trucks right now. And uh, so th- those prices jumped up 6.7% in September, but the new car prices, they rose uh, three-tenths of a percent from the prior month. Retail sales returned to pre-pandemic levels in June, and uh, this is what we've talked about before, that the spending is up and is and is even pushed higher since June every month. And uh, But the retail sales report uh, doesn't really track spending on a lot of services, like the health services and the dentist and, and everything else, and uh, travel and stuff like this, which makes up a lot of... Uh, U.S. consumer spending. So that gives you a picture. Uh, the consumer spending going up 1.9% gives you a picture, but it's not the whole picture. Uh, while consumer goods spending on the whole has rebounded to a new high, total outlays, which include both goods and services, lag behind uh, February's level as the pandemic continues to uh, hamper activities such as travel and uh, other things that aren't counted. Other than all the services that aren't counted, and we'll get back to those details later in the show. And as we just mentioned, with regard to consumer prices, uh, consumer prices were basically up two tenths of a percent in September. And according to the Department of Labor's Consumer Price uh, Index, the Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers, the CPI, call it U. Uh, increased two-tenths of a percent in September after rising four-tenths of a percent in August. Over the last 12 months, the all-item CPI increased one and a qu- uh, 1.4%. That's over the 12-month period. So over the one-month period, uh, the all-item consumer price index increased two-tenths of a percent, and over the last 12 months, it's gone up 1.4%. And, of course, as I mentioned before, used cars and trucks continue to rise sharply, accounting for most of the monthly increase. The food index was unchanged, with an increase in the food away from home uh, index offsetting a decline in the, uh, in the uh, food at the at house, at the home. So the energy index also rose uh, eight-tenths of a percent in uh, September. That's because natural gas, because of the heating season, increased 4.2% in the month. Now, the core uh, consumer price index, where we omit uh, food and energy, that also rose two-tenths of a percent in September after a larger increase in uh, July and August. Again, the used cars and trucks, they're included in that, that rose 6.7% in September, its largest monthly increase since February of 1969. So, 
shelter, new vehicles, recreation, they also increased a little bit. But it was basically the used trucks, uh, and then uh, it bumped up the consumer price index. Motor vehicle insurance, airline fare, uh, fares, and apparel were among those that declined during September. The all-item, uh, as I mentioned before, the all-item consumer price index rose two-tenths of a percent uh, month over month, when it also rose 1.4% year over year. Uh, the core CPI uh, that emits food and fuel, uh, that also rose two-tenths of a percent in September, but it, it rose 1.7% over the last uh, 12 months. Uh, the same uh, increase as the period ending in August. So uh, what we're seeing is that um, the uh, prices are, you know, the, we, during the during the March, April, May, June time frame, it was hard to make any sense out of basically what was going on with regard to consumer prices. But now things have basically settled down into a uh, a long term uh, one point. Uh, uh, 1.4 for the uh, all-item CPI and a 1.7 for the uh, the one that omits uh, fuel and uh, uh, food. Uh, the government also announced that the Social Security benefits would be increased by 1.3% uh, starting in uh, January. So uh, they probably also uh, announced that the uh, the uh, Medicare uh, costs for uh, uh, Plan B would probably also go up. <laughs> it's a never-ending, a never-ending uh, uh, picture of uh, one goes up and the other. The prices for the Plan B go up and consume about half of the uh, increase in the uh, Social Security. But that's life. Uh, since the U.S. Uh, uh, economic shutdown in March and April, basically 22 million people were let go in that particular uh, crisis. Uh, you know, they call it the recession. If you measure recession by March, and the recession was over by uh, uh, probably by July. Uh, but we are, we're not the ones who specify when recessions end. There's a special committee that does that. And so what you're seeing here is that the people are so far in the recovery, approximately one half of those 22 million has gone back to work. Uh, but there's still, uh, there's still a lot of people. There's still 11 million people who are, uh, out of work. And, uh, as some go and it's a confusing picture as because as some go, some people go back to work, others are laid off. So that the unemployed uh, uh, workers are not going down as fast as we had hoped for, or the government had hoped for. Uh, applications for U.S. unemployment benefits unexpectedly jumped last week to the highest since August, and uh, Americans increasingly moved to longer-term uh, jobless aid. We'll explain that in just a second. Uh, this is according to the Wall Street Journal article. Both are troubling signs for a labor market whose recovery from the pandemic has or was already slowing. On Thursday, the Department of Labor reported that initial jobless claims in regular state programs totaled 898,000 
for the week ending October 10th, and that was up 53,000 from the prior week. On the uh, uh, that was the, uh, the largest uh, one-week increase since July. The number of continuing claims. That's a, this is an important number. Uh, number of continuing claims are total Americans claiming ongoing unemployment. You know, they've been on unemployment from week to week. And typically, your state unemployment lasts for about, I think it's 27 weeks. And then uh, at that point, uh, because of the CARES program, there is an additional government program that you go on to uh, for another 13 weeks. And uh, so the... Uh, uh, the, the uh, the uh, continuing unemployment in the state program is 10 million uh, 20,000 workers, and that is 1.17 million less than uh, last week. So the numbers are going down in terms of the number of continuous workers. Uh, it isn't all, you know, this 1.17 million uh, where the continuing unemployment has decreased isn't all gravy because. Uh, some of the people have gone on to uh, the federal uh, unemployment uh, uh, program, the uh, the pandemic and emergency unemployment compensation, while other ones have basically quit working, too, quit looking for work. Um, but that may potentially reflect people exhausting state aid and moving to the uh, pandemic and emergency unemployment compensation. So... Uh, Initial claims rose in more than half of the U.S. states, pointing to a broad-based headwinds for the labor market and the economy. As the virus cases picked up again and colder weather uh, starts to uh, curb demand for outdoor dining, the reports also reflect tens of thousands of recent jobs in the nation's airlines. And hopefully... uh, Hopefully, you know, the uh, second uh, fiscal uh, stimulus package will be coming. Uh, In fact, there are basically uh, that last count as of Friday. There's two stimulus packages. One is the the one we've been talking about since July, and that's uh, approximately $2 trillion package where we started negotiation in July and uh, we started negotiation with a $3.5 billion proposal from the House of Representatives and $1 trillion from the uh, Senate. And uh, that kind of ran off the rails uh, just before the uh, conventions, the uh, Democratic and the Republican conventions in August. And But it's been, re- uh, re- it's been resurrected two weeks ago when the original... Uh, programs had had been reduced to about 2.2 trillion from the House of Representatives and one and the uh, 1.8 trillion from the um, Senate. So the House of Representatives number came down and the, and the Senate number came up and hopefully uh, they can reach an agreement. Uh, there's a lot of concern that uh, the agreement won't be reached before uh, the election, but. Uh, in terms of what it, what the markets feel and what the investors feel, that's kind of irrelevant as long as it gets there sometime in uh, November. As long as it's helpful in a way, uh, that's good enough. The other 
The other program, the second stimulus package, that suddenly appeared from nowhere. And uh, I think that is in a part of the negotiations for the bigger program where the Senate is going to take up a uh, bill this week for uh, $700 billion, basically to fund the uh, payroll protection plan. That's the plan where an employer can take out a loan from the Small Business Administration, and as long as the loan is used to pay um, uh, the employees' uh, uh, wages and also to pay the rent and to pay the uh, utilities, uh, there's a certain proportion, you know, 60% has to go for the uh, employees' uh, wages and the other 40% in other things. But the idea here is that if if you if small businesses take out a loan from the Small Business Administration and they uh, spend the money on wages and rent and utilities, then the loan is extinguished. So uh, the, what they're seven hundred billion dollars is aimed at. They're trying to uh, uh, get that passed, and uh, hopefully they can at least make a vote on it. Uh, this week, and maybe that'll spur uh, attention with regard to uh, getting the uh, uh, getting the rest of the plan, uh, getting the bigger uh, stimulus plan yeah, passed. So uh, it's, a, it's a saga that's been going on for since July, and uh, uh, as long as they get there, sometime in November, uh, the the stock market will be tickled pink. So. Uh, this is uh, Jim McAleese. You're listening to uh, Get Rich Slow. Um, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. And you don't have to talk about the great, the big picture. You can talk about your picture, uh, how your finances are doing, and how you put together your goals and you come up with a plan to allocate your paycheck into different pots, that each one of those is focused on the things that you want to do, be it retire, be it uh, fund the education of the kids, be it buy a new house, be it something. You've got uh, a plan that shows uh, uh, where you're taking a certain amount of money out of your paycheck and putting it towards that plan and then watching it grow and making modifications if it doesn't act the way you want it to act. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. 
So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. Your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now let's go. Whoops. Do we have a call? <laughs> we have a question, Jim. Okay. Do you want to go with the question? Let's it was from Paul. Yeah. Yes. Um, he is not working outside the home right now. But um, he has a couple of rental properties, and his question is, can income from rental properties be considered as eligible for an IRA contribution? Well, uh, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry the answer is no. <laughs> uh, you know, rental income is considered to be passive, and traditional uh, and Roth IRA contributions have to come from active or uh, compensation from uh, working. So, uh, in the working in working income includes wages, salaries, tips, uh, bonuses, stuff like that for providing services, as well as commission and, and self-employment income. So, if you work for a salary, you're going to get a W-2 or a 1099. Uh, so. As an alternative, though, uh, what you could do is uh, talk to your accountant and uh, see if we can set up a uh, a, uh, a property management company, you know, either a limited liability company uh, and you'd be its employee. And then at that point, you might be able to, you will be able to have a solo uh, 401k. Now, or another good thing is that if you uh, file a joint return with your spouse and your spouse has earned has earned income, uh, then uh, each each of you can contribute to your own IRA as long as your spouse earns enough income to cover both of your contributions. So, uh, in that case, uh, uh, you've got rental income, but uh, your spouse has a job and. Uh, uh, you can, as a spouse, you can have a traditional or a Roth IRA, and she can have a traditional or Roth IRA as long as her earned income exceeds that uh, twelve thousand or fourteen thousand dollars, depending upon how old you are. So uh, it's it's something to look at, and uh, uh, you know where there's a will, there's a way. So. <laughs> You might you might have to set up a a, a, a limited liability company for self employment. You're going to have to spend a little money for a lawyer, so you have to take a look at it and see whether it's worth it or not. So, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now, one of the things we were talking about. Uh, this morning was the uh, 
the uh, increased spending, which is good news, and uh, the very fact that uh, people are spending more. Inflation is basically well-behaved. You know, it's uh, 1.4% or 1.7%, depending upon whether you're using the core, whether you're using the all-item consumer price index or the core C, uh, 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 CPI. And But the, the concerning news was the uh, industrial um, production in the United States has seemed to have slowed down and gone negative. Uh, the industrial sector recovery is uneven, where the U.S. industrial production fell six-tenths of a percent in September. And that was a surprise from the Federal Reserve Bank in their industrial production and capacity utilization uh, for September report. According to the Wall Street, the Federal Reserve on Friday said that its index of industrial production, a measure of the output of factories, mines, and utilities, fell six-tenths of a percent in September, uh, following a uh, four-tenths of a percent rise in uh, August. Manufacturing is the biggest component of the industrial production, and it fell three-tenths of a percent after rising 1.2% in August. So uh, the report showed that the drop in factory output reflects weakness in production of motor vehicles and electronics. Auto production decreased uh, 4%, 4% after sliding 4.3% a month earlier, while output of computers and electronic products fell 2.6% in September. In manufacturing, uh, excluding auto has, un- has been unchanged for the, for the month. Mining output rose 1.7% in September, and, and uh, utility production fell 5.6% because of the good weather and the decline in the uh, air conditioning. So uh, that was a little bit of a, of a scare, and we might, we'll talk about that later in the show. But uh, we also, uh, that, that is what they call quantitative uh, data, and that was for September. But we also have data from the Philadelphia Manufacturing Business Outlook and also from the Empire State Manufacturing that showed that uh, manufacturing business picked up in October. So what they do, when I say qualitative, what they're doing in qualitative is that they talk to the, um, they send a survey out to the managers in the manufacturing industries in their particular location, and they ask uh, on a survey, they ask about uh, how did this month compare to last month in terms of uh, new orders, uh, how about the shipments? How did they compare backlog? Uh, how did they compare with your number of employees in your average work week and, and things of this nature? And uh, uh, basically what we saw in from the uh, Philadelphia manufacturing business outlook was that uh, it increased uh, from 15 in September to 32.3 in October which indicates a big jump, uh, and we'll get, we'll get into the numbers in just a second. I just want to show you what happened in this index over the last several months, ever since the coronavirus uh, started here. Uh, let's take a look back at February. In February of this year, this index, manufacturing index for the 
Philadelphia, which is basically the eastern seaboard. Uh, the reading was 36.7 in February. That's when the, that's before the coronavirus hit. And then in March, it was 12.7. And then in April, it was negative 56.6. And then in May, it was negative 43.1. And then in uh, June, it popped up to 21 plus 21.5. And then July was 24.1, and then August was 17.2. So it popped off the floor in uh, in June, and uh, in August it was uh, July was 24.1, in August it was 17.2, and then in September it went down to 15, and then suddenly in October it's up to 32.3. So it indicates in in the big picture that uh September that October was is different uh from uh, uh September in the sense that uh, it seems to be much better when we take a look at the rough numbers and say okay uh what does the survey indicate well uh, these are the questions that are asked uh how does this month compare to the last month uh, what is your evaluation of the level of general business activity? Uh, 47% of the managers said that uh, October was better than September, while 14% said no, it was was not as good. So you also you got almost a three to one that says we got a good increase in October. New orders. Ask about new orders. Uh, 55% said that new orders have increased in October. Uh, 12% said that uh, new orders decreased. So, again, you've got uh, almost 4 to 1, over 4 to 1, say that new orders increased. Shipments are the same way. 57% said uh, October was better. 11% said no unfilled orders. 24% said that the backlog is increasing. 15% said no. Prices paid, 29% said we paid a higher price in October for our product, for our raw materials. Zero said that uh, we paid a lesser price. Now, prices received for the product, 14% said it went up. 0% said it went down. Number of employees, 23% said that they, uh, they're biased towards uh, more employees. 10% said no. So, and the work week was the same way. 30% said that we're biased more towards overtime, and 4% said no. So, basically, it shows you the quality of that, and it says that October was a better manufacturing month than, than um, uh, September. And also, if you take a look at the New York uh, State, they have the Empire State Manufacturing uh, Survey, and uh, they basically had similar results, but they weren't as strong as the Philadelphia results. So uh, their results showed that uh, uh, the the, the uh, numbers were 10.5 in October, which still indicates that the uh, the uh, situation, the uh, manufacturing, is increasing. So. Uh, that indicates that the economy is getting better. This is Jim McAleese. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Get This Flow. You know, we talked. We started the show. We were talking about uh, retail sales, and uh, retail sales is. Uh, if you take a look at where retail sales have been, uh, let's go back to May. Uh, in May, uh, the retail sales increased with 18.2 percent. This was coming out of a uh, out of a bottoming process in. Uh, in uh, April and uh, May picked up 18, uh, spending picked up 18.2%. June picked up 8.4%. And in June, the spending uh, for June was higher than the spending was for February. So that's that's what we're gauging at. We're going back to before, what was the economy like before the COVID hit? Then in July, uh, spending dropped off to uh, nine tenths of a percent, and then in August it uh, dropped off to uh, six tenths of a percent, uh, and then in September it dropped off to uh, well, it, it rose in September to one point nine percent. That's what we were just talking about this morning. And that one point nine percent increase in September was five and five point four percent above September of last year. So basically, as far as spending is concerned, and stores and and the restaurants and things of this nature, the the uh, we're spending the consumers out there spending as much uh, since June as he was before the uh, uh, the coronavirus hit in February. So. And that's reported by the U.S. Department of Commerce in their advanced monthly sales for retail and uh, and food services. So uh, before the coronavirus hit, you'd expect to see numbers like uh, three-tenths of a percent increase in sales from month to month and also maybe like 4% from year to year. So I think we're back... Uh, spending now. Part of the spending is the uh, uh, fiscal stimulus. In other words, the people have uh, received the, the uh, stimulus in terms of the twelve hundred dollar uh, checks, which a lot of people put in the bank, and uh, they've been spending it ever since uh, uh, they got it. But uh, the other thing is that with the payroll protection plan, as well as the extra six hundred dollars in unemployment, so people have been spending and it's helping the economy roll along, and it's helping the the stock market roll along. So uh, people are just buying uh, different things and for different reasons. Uh, uh, with the pandemic, according to Bloomberg, with the pandemic. Also comes the shift in consumption patterns. Uh, total retail sales have surpassed their uh, February levels, but several industries, including restaurants, clothing, electronics, and appliance stores, remain below year earlier levels. Instead, consumers are spending more on grocery stores, uh, uh, at, uh, online vendors, and, and uh, building material retailers. So. If I take a look and I say, uh, uh, for instance, I, I mentioned that uh, uh, the uh, for let's say for the last six months, how much has uh, each month been above the year before? 
in April, it was April of this year was down 21 percent. May was down six percent. Uh, June was up 11 percent. Oh no, 1.1 percent. July was up 2.4 percent, and then August was 2.6 percent, and now we and in September we're up at 5.4 percent, greater than in uh, September a year ago. Uh, so what we're seeing is a V-shaped recovery where uh, things are going up and up. Uh, but if without that recovery, without that stimulus, uh, there could be a uh, people who don't have the jobs will run out of money, and that the picture is going to change dramatically then. So looking at the details in that report, motor vehicles, uh, in September of uh, this year versus September of last year, uh, motor vehicles were up 11.1%. Uh, furniture was up, uh, home furnishings was up 4.6%. Building material and garden supplies, 19%. Food and beverage, 10.5%, because people aren't eating out in restaurants anymore. Uh, health and home care, um, uh, 5.3%. Sporting goods, 14.4%. These are over a one-year period. Uh, general merchandise, 4.3%. Uh, non-store retailers, non-store retailers, those are your e-commerce, up 24%. Uh, food services and drinking places are down close to 15%. So basically what you're seeing there is uh, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of difference, a lot of difference in how people are spending their money, and also a lot of big difference in where people are getting their money. Let's talk a look, take a look at the uh, unemployment, and what we're seeing in the unemployment is that every week we get a picture of how many people have applied for unemployment benefits that particular week. And this week, ending October 10th, uh, or last week, in October 10th, the number was 898,000 uh, people applied for uh, unemployment. That's uh, higher than the week before. The week before it was 845,000. And then if we take a look down and say, okay, where are these, uh, 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 how many people are on continued unemployment from week to week to week? Uh, that number dropped from 11.65 million last week to 10.02 uh, uh, million this week. So there was a close to one point uh, over a million dollar, um, over a million uh, uh, people that uh, came off continuing unemployment this week. Ohio's share of the continuing unemployment. Uh, dropped down from 267,000 to 218,000. So what you're seeing there is that the number of people on continuing unemployment is going down. Also, you're seeing that the number of people on the, uh, the uh, pandemic unemployment assistance, or PUA, that's a government program that was generated from the CARES program in, in March, that has 11.2 million uh, workers on the uh, 
benefits, and those are gig workers and part-time workers. So all in all, uh, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, between the uh, application for application for uh, uh, the state benefits, which were basically for full-time employers, plus the gig workers and the uh, part-time workers who do not appear on the uh, state unemployment rolls, uh, the applications for benefits was 1.27 million uh, last week. So uh, there's still quite a quite a large number of uh, people that are uh, uh, still trying to get by on the uh, unemployment number. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. Uh, one of the things we talked about before with this uh, industrial production thing, and uh, what we're seeing here in, in terms of the industrial production is that uh, uh, to give you an idea of where we stand at, uh, let's take a look at you know, you can talk and take a look at the statistics, but I tell you, I like to take a look at uh, how month to month changes. So, in uh, in manufacturing, uh, the Federal Reserve reported that manufacturing for March was down five percent. April was down fifteen point eight percent. Then in May, it started to pick up. May was up three point six. June was up 7.6. July was up 4.2. Then it started to, to, to come on down. August was uh, 1.2. September was uh, negative three-tenths of a percent. And September, uh, and the three-tenths of a percent for uh, September. And if we take a look and say, how does that compare to a year ago? In September, what we're seeing is that compared to a year ago, manufacturing is down uh, 6%. And uh, uh, that's for uh, durable goods manufacturing is down uh, 7%. Uh, primary metals, or, you know, steel and stuff like that, they're down 17.8%. Uh, so uh, there's, there's places that we've really got to go some to catch up. Machinery uh, is down 8.3% compared to a year ago. Uh, computers, uh, the computers are up 1.7, but the electrical equipment and uh, appliances and components are down 10.3%. Uh, motor vehicles and parts 
compared to a year ago, uh, were uh, up four tenths of one percent. Even though in uh, in in September, uh, motor vehicles were down four percent just for the month alone, and then in aerospace, uh, uh, we have negative fourteen point five percent. So, just these numbers are fairly big. So, what you're seeing in this economy is the economy is uh, coming back in a V-shaped recovery, but it went down quite a bit. When you shut the whole economy down, it's bouncing back, but it's bouncing back in such a way that uh, uh, we've got a way to go here yet in that uh, uh, it's a matter of will we get there with the the extra uh, fiscal stimulus. Now, I'm looking at... uh, uh, Oil, oil, plastic. Let's say, let's talk about plastic production. Uh, we were down uh, 2.8 percent from a year ago. Uh, chemicals were down 3 percent from a year ago. Petroleum and coal products were down 17 percent from a year ago. And uh, apparel and leather were down 13 percent from a year ago. So basically, what we're seeing is uh, the we're coming. Uh, the economy is moving back, and hopefully, in a V-shaped recovery. It's been a V-shaped recovery so far, and uh, uh, the thing that caught my eye was the very fact that uh, for uh, this particular, for last month, uh, the manufacturing was down. So uh, it should, be, in my mind, October should be better uh, for manufacturing than September was. We should be get back onto our uh, continuing recovery. So uh, it's a matter of uh, of uh, staying the course. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the uh, stimulus packages are basically being talked about seriously now, and I think even if it's not passed by the uh, uh, before election, as long as it's passed somewhere in November, uh, the economy and the uh, investors will see it. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This COVID thing has been rough on everybody. The senior population is particularly vulnerable, but the young are also feeling the impact of lost jobs and concerns about the future. How can we handle all this craziness? A young woman went to her mother and told her about her life and how things were so hard for her. She didn't know how she was going to make it and wanted to give up. She was tired of fighting and struggling. It seemed that one problem was solved, the next one arose. Her mother took her to the kitchen and she filled three pots with water and placed each on a high fire. Soon the pots began to boil, and the first one she placed carrots, and the second one she placed eggs, and then the last one she placed uh, placed ground coffee beans. She then let them sit and boil without saying a word. In about 20 minutes, she turned off the burners, and she fished out the carrots first, and then placed them in a bowl, and then the eggs, and then then she uh, poured a cup of coffee. He turned to her daughter and said, okay, tell me what you see. And she said, well, I see carrots, eggs, and coffee. 
uh, her mother told her to look closer and feel the carrots. She did, and she noticed they were soft. The mother then asked the daughter to take an egg and break it, and after pulling off the shell, she observed the hard-boiled egg. Finally, the mother asked the daughter to sip the coffee. The daughter smiled as she tasted its rich aroma. The daughter then asked, what does this mean, Mom? Their mother explained that each of these objects had faced the same adversity, the boiling water. Each reacted differently. The carrot went in strong, hard, and unrelenting. However, being subject to the boiling water, it softened and became weak. The egg had been fragile. A thin outer shell protected this liquid interior, but after sitting through the boiling water, its inside became hardened. Ground coffee bean was unique, however. After they were in the water, they changed the water. And which one are you, she asked her daughter. When adversity knocks on the door, how do you respond? Are you the carrot, the egg, or the coffee bean? Think of this. Which one am I? Am I the carrot that seems strong? Is the pain of adversity, do I wilt and become soft and lose my strength? Am I the egg that starts with a malleable heart but changes with the heat? I, do, I did have a fluid spirit, but after a death or a breakup or a financial hardship or some other trial, have I become hardened and stiff? Uh, I'm bitter and tough to be and hardened, and, or am I the coffee bean? The bean actually changed the hot water, the very circumstances which brought the pain. When the water gets hot, it releases the fragrance and the flavor. <laughs> when the hour is darkest and the trials are your greatest, you elevate yourself to a new level and work to your advantage. So this is Jim McAleese, listening to you're listening to Get Rich Slow, and may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.